Well, William Shakespeare once said, love cannot be found where it does not exist, nor can it be hidden where it truly does, right? Pretty understood concept here. What um, we love will be proven in what we do. We can't keep it hidden, what we love. In um, the Gospel Fluency book by Jeff Vanderstilt, he says it this way. He says, we talk about what we love. We talk about what we love. We understand that, that concept. Case in point, you know, we're, we live in the Facebook world nowadays, Instagram, TikTok, right, social media. I would say that not only do we talk about what we love, we post about what we love. Like our Facebook page is a catalog of the things that we love the most, for, for the most part, right? Case in point, how many of you guys in here are Georgia Bulldog fans? I mean, you guys love the dogs. That's what I'm talking about. We got lots of people. For the most part, we got a few outliers that are trickled in here. You guys are welcome. It's okay. Um, but for the most part, man, we love the dogs. And when um, football season is here, what are we doing on Saturday? We're watching the game. But not only are we going to watch the game, we're going to pull our phone out. And we're going to take a picture of the TV that we're watching. We're going to take that picture and post it on social media so everybody else knows that you're watching football on Saturday, right? Like that's how much we love Georgia Bulldogs, right? And so another example, everybody loves Blake Goodwin. He's one of our elders here. You get on his fa Facebook page, what does he love, man? My man loves some barbecue. He loves barbecue. He likes mountain bikes as well. And so do I. If you get on my Facebook page and scrub back through, you're going to see a lot of mountain bike, mountain bike pictures, right? Like, here's my bike against a rock. Here's my bike against a tree. I don't know. Like, nobody cares about this, but, but I do, and I want everybody to know I love mountain biking, you know? Um, another question. Anybody know somebody that does CrossFit? Everybody knows somebody that does CrossFit because everybody that does CrossFit wants everybody to know they do CrossFit, man. We're proud of that. Our friends uh, Cole and Aaron Payton at CrossFit Higher Grounds, man, they post about CrossFit. I've got other friends at other gyms, man. They're, they're just like getting ripped and getting strong. Why? Why do they post about it? Because it changed their life, right? Changed their life. They're stronger. They're healthier. They love it, right? So we talk about what we love. Jesus, in the gospel of Luke's uh, chapter 6, verse 45, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so what's he talking about? The heart isn't in biblical terms, necessarily the physical organ that's pumping in your body right now, keeping your physical body alive. The heart, in biblical terms, is kind of the core of the person, right? The inner man, where the, your, your, even your thoughts are generated, where your motives come from, where the choices that you make in life originate from. Motions, all of that comes from our heart, and what comes out of the person is evidenced is evidence of what is in it. Another way we could say it is this. Our actions are the fruit that is produced from the root of the heart. So when I walk through my week, for the most part, my actions can be uh, examined and say, okay, those were actions of faith in God or, man, unbelief in God. Those were actions of pure love and, and surrender to God, or those actions were really self-centered and really he, he just kind of proved by his life that he loves himself, right? Jesus in Matthew 7, he's preaching, he's talking, he says, hey, beware of the false prophets. 
right? He said, they're going to look the part, man. They're going to have the tie. They're going to have the suit. They're going to have the pocket square. They're going to have the, everything's going to be right. They're going to be carrying their Bible. They're going to look the part, but you will know them by their fruit, by what they do. That's how you'll know them. So if we talk about what we love, my question for you is this, do you talk about Jesus? Do we talk about Jesus? Not just on Sunday. Not just when you're praying over that Chick-fil-A sandwich at lunch and blessing the chicken, right? But do you find yourself thinking about Jesus, pondering him as you drive into work or at dinner or at this or that, and you're, you're, you're wrapping your mind around the good news of Jesus so much that it stirs your affections for him so much that I just, I just got to talk about Jesus. It's just got to come out of me. Has, has Jesus captured your heart? Do you love him? Uh, do a little exercise in your mind. Take inventory of this past week, Monday through Saturday, let's say. How much did you talk about Jesus? Was it a lot? Was it a little bit? Did you do okay? Uh, was it zero? You know, I was um, fortunate enough to be raised in a home where my dad talked about Jesus constantly. And it wasn't a legalistic thing. He wasn't like Bible thumping me and like, Bible says, stop doing, you know, turn or burn, son. You know, it wasn't any of that. Thank God. He loved the Lord. God, Jesus had captured his heart so much so that almost every interaction just about, he was talking about Jesus's love for me and pondering a scripture and pondering this. And it was a joyful thing, man. It was evidenced in how he lived and what he said that Jesus had captured his heart. Do you truly believe the gospel is the good news, like we talked about last, last week? Like good news, like, man, this is good news, right? Go, go back to the University of Georgia, right? Uh, the Bulldogs example, right? 2021, they won the national championship. They, they hadn't won it in, in some years, and they won it, right? The state of Georgia went crazy, right? They were so excited that the dogs were back on top, and nobody had to train anybody how to celebrate the fact that they had won, right? There wasn't a training manual like Georgia Bulldogs win, training manual how to celebrate. Number one, scream, scream real loud. Okay, let, let's all scream. Well, you know, No, it wasn't any of that, right? When it's good news, it just happens, man. It's a party. We're celebrating. We're in the streets, man. We're throwing confetti, man. We're wearing our Bulldogs gear, all this stuff, man. It just comes out of us if it's good news. Has... Jesus captured your heart. Are you impressed with him? Do you truly know how good he is? We also, so we talk about what we love. We also talk about what works, right? We talk about what's work, what works. We're excited about things that are great. I'll never forget about 15 years ago, a salesman came to my house. He knocked on the door and uh, he was trying to sell me something. Now, today, Kathy does not allow me to answer the door to any salesman. <laughs> because I'm going to buy whatever it is they're selling. I'm going to sit out there for 45 minutes, listen to the pitch, and I'm coming in with whatever thing they're selling. And so case in point, 15 years ago, this guy comes to my house, knocks on the door. He says, man, do I have a product for you? It's going to change your life. I'm like, do tell. I need, I'd like to see this change my life. What do you got, man? He's like cleaning supply. All right all right, this, this got to be some good cleaning supply, man. I'm like, well, you're going to have to prove it to me, man. So this guy, I kid you not, he's down on his knees scrubbing my porch, the front porch. And he's like, he's getting this stuff clean. And I'm like, yeah, that gum, that's really clean, man. This stuff is awesome. 
this is great. And so sure enough, I buy that cleaning supply. And um, I'm pacing my house, waiting for Kathy to come home. She's going to be so proud of me, man. I mean, I am so excited. She walks in the door. I'm like, babe, guess what? I've bought something that's going to change your life. You're going to be so proud of me. She's like, what is it? I was like, cleaning supplies. She's like, we got a cabinet full of cleaning supply. Why do we need any more? I'm like, no, this is different. This stuff really, really works. So I go get a shoe, and I scrub this shoe. I'm like, look how clean this shoe is, man. It's amazing, right? And so we talk about what works. We really, really do. And so if we believe the gospel cleanses our heart, sets us free, reconciles us to God, it's actually the power of God that's working in me, changing me. I get to be a part of his kingdom. The good news about how the gospel works, we would talk about it, wouldn't we? We really, really would. So what's in us comes out of us, and all that comes from our heart. Let's take a look at this passage of Scripture for the next few moments. It's a moment where Jesus encounters a guy, and he loves him, and he offers him eternal life. But unfortunately, through his actions, he proves what's in his heart. It proves what is a, who actually is sitting on the throne of his heart. Let's start in verse 17. Y'all there? Verse 17? Let's roll. Here it is up on the screen as well. And as he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So this guy runs up to Jesus kind of takes this posture of humility at first. He kneels down, right? He knelt down, gives Jesus a title of, of honor, good teacher. Jesus is like, hold on a second. What do, you, what do you mean by good? There's nobody good but God. And I wonder if he's thinking like, are you calling me God? Because if you are, you're off to a good start, right? And he poses this question, and it's a loaded question. I mean, I mean look, at the, look at the center of the question. What Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God. And he kind of leaves it hanging and he goes on. Next verse. You know, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Probably a super proud moment for that guy. Jesus himself is commending him. Hey, you know these things. You know a lot of good things. Guy's like, I do know a lot of good things. And as a matter of fact, I don't only know them, I do them. <laughs> you know, like from a, a place of humility, knelt down. Now all of a sudden he might be just like, all right, man, I'm, this is pretty, I'm pretty awesome right now. What else you got to say, Jesus? What else you got to say about me? It had to be a proud moment for him because the focus was on him doing the right thing, but not with a proper heart. What do I mean by that? You know, one of the big errors we make in Christianity is we only focus on the things we do. Or a lot of times we only focus on the things we do, like behavior modification. Like, if I can just control the things I do, God will be happy with me. Right? And it's like this legalistic, stop doing that, start doing this. And it's like we go after the action first or the fruit first before we get at the root, producing the fruit, right? It's like if I had an apple tree, right? And I'm like, I'm tired of having apples, right? So I climb up in my apple tree and I start snatching all the apples out of the tree and I get them all out and I'm like, boom, okay, no apples. And I go get a basket of oranges and I start stapling up some oranges on my tree and I'm like, boom, orange tree, there we go. People walking by might be like, yeah, kind of looks like an orange tree, I guess. 
But what's going to happen in a matter of days or even months <clears throat> is that the root is going to begin to produce apples. And so we can't place all of the focus on simply doing the right thing. This guy did the right things, did he not? Do you know that in uh, Scripture, multiple places, God despises people doing the right things? Look at Matthew, verse 15. <clears throat> says this, This people honors me with their lips. That's a good thing. That's what Jesus wants us to do, right? Sing songs, honor him with our lips, but what? Their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. Why? Well, because God sees through the action, the, the false action, the fake action, and he sees into the heart of the individual. It says that he worships, them, he worships in vain. Why? Well, because they're not truly worshiping God. The worship action was actually for themselves. It was a self-righteous motivation. It made them feel good that they were worshiping God. So they're worshiping unto themselves, and God's like, I don't want anything to do with that. What pleases God with our actions are the, is the heart behind it, right? It's the fact that our hearts are his, and it comes from a place of love unto God. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, back to, the, uh, back to our guy, the rich young ruler here. Back up to verse 19, and uh, he lists out a bunch of laws. Does, does that ring a bell for anybody? What, where are those laws from? Anybody know? Boom, Ten Commandments. We've got a picture of the Ten Commandments right here. He lists out all these different things, and if you notice what he actually omitted from the list, the Ten Commandments can be broken up into two categories. Many of us know this, right, if you, if you think about it and study it out. But the, the backside of the Ten Commandments are all about what we do before people, our relationship with others, what we physically do in front of people. But the first half of the Ten Commandments, the first four, are all about our devotion and our heart for God, the things that we do for Him out of love and sacrifice and surrender and trust and in faith. And if you notice, what did Jesus leave out? He left out the heart for God stuff. He's like, I know you keep all these other things. and Good job. But he's about to expose them here in just a moment. Verse 21 says this. And Jesus, looking at him, right? That's an intent looking. That's an examination. It's almost as if he's like looking, peering into the man's heart. He loved him. And because he loved him, he challenged him. Love challenges. Love doesn't let recklessness happen. Love challenges. You lack one thing. Interesting, right? The man that had everything, all the stuff, still lacked something. What did he lack? He lacked a heart for God. Full surrender, full trust, radical, a surrendering of his heart, a genuine love for Jesus. He tells him, you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. He says, go and sell, give to the poor, come follow me. Verse 21, disheartened. His heart did not like that. Disheartened by the saying, he went away. Sorrowful, for he had great possessions. His greatest love in that moment was exposed. What was really down in his heart came to the surface and said, Jesus, thanks, but no thanks. 
Actually, that's bad news. If I had to abandon all my good stuff, my cool stuff, if I had to walk away from all those things, that's bad news. I don't want to do that. So, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm weighing the pros and cons here, but I choose my stuff over you. Jesus is saying, he's like, look, you've you got great possessions and cool stuff. That's awesome. But actually, they can't satisfy you. And really, they've actually got a grip on your heart. And if you would let those go, I would actually show you a real life, full satisfaction. He's like, no, I choose my stuff over Jesus. Rejected him and walked away. Now, I don't have uh, a ton of time to get into, into this, real, real, but really quick. Jesus is not against owning things. He's not against owning things. What he's against is anything that's owning us. He's not against things. People had things in the Bible. He's not saying he's called to poverty, like sell everything, go live on the street. That's, that's not it. That's not, the, that's not the thing that he's called to, calling us to. He's calling us to a life of discipleship. That's what he's calling us to. And everybody has to give something up including Matt McFadden. All of us have something to give up. And so he's not against things. He's against things owning you. It's not against loving mountain bikes or whatever it is, the thing that you like, but it can't sit on the throne of your heart. He wants that place. This guy's wealth was his functional God. Many people have written about this topic. Timothy Keller has a book called Counterfeit God. Um, Mark Driscoll in Vintage Jesus years ago referenced this. Um, and uh, there's this Christian counselor's name, uh, Prallison. And uh, he talks about functional gods as well. And he has a list of questions, very simple questions, to help us identify um, who or what is our God big G God or little G God? And so I, I want to put these questions up on the screen here. And I, w- I would love for you guys this week, take a few moments, maybe during your quiet time in the morning or just whenever, maybe even take a screenshot of this, grab your phone out and snap a photo of this and do the work. I think we ought to do this regularly to help us identify as something snuck in and taken the place of our heart. And so simply put, Here's here's some questions. What do you love the most? What do you love the most? All right, Matt Matt McFadden, what do you actually love the most? Right? What What do you fear? What do you desire most passionately? This is a really good one. Where do you run for comfort? When life is hard or you're going through a painful moment or you got wounded or you're suffering, where do you turn to for comfort? What or who do you trust? What makes you the happiest? This is a good one. How do you explain yourself to others? Well, I'm this or I'm that, right? Start with our achievements or whatever. whatever. You know, like how do we explain ourselves to people? Uh, what do you brag about? Next slide. Here's another list. You can snap a photo of it. Just a couple of more. Basically the same thing, just asked different ways. What do you want to have more than anything else? This is a good one. What do you sacrifice the most for in your life? If you could change one thing in your life, what would that be? Oh, man, whose approval are you seeking? Whose approval are you seeking? Those questions are centered around who has your heart. Who has your heart, really? Do the work. And again, don't just attack. Don't just attack the behavior. Get underneath to the belief or the lie that you're, you're, you're believing or living out. For instance, like go back to the slide before, like 
where, where do you run for, for comfort? A lot of people, statistically, tons of people are addicted to pornography. And when something happens in their life or they're lonely or they're hurt, it's a quick dopamine rush. And it comforts us, at least in the momentary. And we look to that and we, and we run to that, man, and, and the devil is wrecking marriages and he's wrecking lives. And he's got his claws into people through this idea that, oh man, pornography or sexual um, you know, fantasy or whatever it is, that's your answer to life. And what we fail to do, sometimes we, we, just, we just focus again on the behavior, like let me white knuckle this thing. and No, 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 I don't need to do this anymore. Stop doing this. And that's good. But get underneath why. Why am I doing this? Why am I turning to this? What lie am I living out that, that makes me think that this is going to lead to life? What truth about God am I not believing or walking out in? Like Pete Scazzaro says in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, maybe you've been wounded in your life and that's how you cope. And what you actually need to do is go back to that wound, do the work, process that so that you can move forward, right? Don't just attack the behavior. Look to the belief underneath. The rich young ruler, back to him, wrapping up here, um, he walks away from Jesus. But a true disciple who really understands what Jesus is offering, what does he do? He gets up, like it says in the Gospels, they leave everything and they follow Jesus with all of their heart. Jesus is the only, only person that deserves the rightful place on the seat of our heart, the throne of our heart. Only he can satisfy us. He's created you. He knows you. He's made you uh, uh, for a purpose. And only he can give you eternal life, man. And, and I'm here to tell you, whatever lesser love is in the seat of your heart, the throne of your heart, cannot satisfy you. It can't do it. He alone can. Quickly, verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it, is, uh, it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at these words. Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. And he said, then who can be saved? Jewish culture Rich people were looked to as someone with favor from God or people that kept the law really well. It's like, oh man, they're, favor, they're favored by God. Surely they've got an entry into heaven. But here Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Actually, wealth doesn't get you in and just keeping the law, doing things and knowing things doesn't keep you in. And it blew the disciples' minds. They were like, well, then who can even be saved? Who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with, not with God. For all things are possible with God. Salvation cannot be earned. Salvation can only be received through faith, a surrendering of your heart to the Lord. Now, in closing, this is my second closing. i got three more, so it's good. Um, how do we grow our love for the Lord? Maybe you're in here and say, Matt, you would be honest and say, Matt, my love for God has grown cold. Or maybe you have yet to place your faith in Jesus and, and made him your personal Lord and Savior, and you would like your love 
your affections to be just on fire for God and your heart for God. How do we do that? Number one, it absolutely begins not with us, begins with the Lord through faith. That's where it starts. Ephesians 3, write this down and you can study this passage out. It's, it's so good. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, in your heart, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. What is Paul saying in like a ton of words? Here's what he's saying. He's saying Christ dwells in us through faith. And it's by the spirit of Christ that is in us that he enables us and strengthens us to understand God's love for us. And it's from that place of strength that then God turns our heart to him and we're able to love him back. It starts with him. It's, 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 uh, we are strengthened by the spirit and he's the one that ignites our heart. But it has to start with faith. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Are you living in faith? He's the one that gives us the, the ability to know his love for us. And when we get a glimpse of that, it's going to spark, man. It's going to set your heart on fire. Number two, starts with faith. Number, number two, you got to get to know him. You cannot love somebody you don't know, right? So study him. Spend time with him. Study the gospels. Ask questions like, why did Jesus come and hang out with a bunch of sick people? Why didn't he go rub elbows with the rich and the famous? Why did he come as a humble servant and not as a ruling king? He forgave sin. He healed the sin. Why is he doing these things? Ah, oh, man. All of a sudden, the, the mind is going to serve the heart's affections, and you're going to understand him deeper as you study him. And that's just going to fire up your affections for him and your heart for him as you know the love of Jesus for us. And then lastly, very practically, I like what Jeff Vanderstilt says. He says, he says, simply talk about him daily. Talk about him. We talk about what we love, but we also will love what we talk about. And so spend time speaking the good news of Jesus, right? That preach the gospel to yourself card, that simple challenge, do that. At, at the dinner table, which we're going to talk about more in a couple of weeks, speak about the gospel. Put the phones away for a minute and talk about Jesus. On your ride home today with your spouse, talk about Jesus as you go to lunch. Talk about him. And then just watch your, the affections of your heart be stirred for him.